0: is The Lion's Unchained Podcast, where the shackles of your mind are broken. There comes a time when we either embrace the truth or remain in darkness forever. The Lion's Unchained Podcast offers you the light of God's truth. The rest is up to you. Join Carl Joseph now for a powerful, life-changing word
1: friend, today we will discuss the very controversial topic of natural disasters. Now, this is a very sensitive subject matter, and understandably so, based on recent catastrophic events that have rocked these United States, especially in recent weeks. The truth is, natural disasters have been raging upon the earth since time began, and they're documented within the pages of the Bible also. People's lives can be ruined by these disasters, and the reconstruction of cities can take years to complete. I don't pretend to have all the answers here today, friend, but I will share with you what God's Word has to say about it. Now, whenever hurricanes, earthquakes, or tsunamis occur in various parts of the world, the inevitable question becomes this. Are these disasters caused by natural weather cycles, or are they God's divine judgment, or perhaps even the work of the devil? The answer to this very complex question is in fact yes to all of the above, or a combination, because Scripture attests to all three possibilities. Let's remind ourselves that Scripture states it rains on the just and the unjust. Churches and Christians can be destroyed in these disasters also, even if some contend it's God's judgment upon the wicked only. Then we have to ask ourselves if God placed all his wrath upon his son Jesus Christ at the cross, is he still pouring out selective wrath or judgment on certain cities or regions in this New Testament dispensation? I know there are some ministers out there who blame all natural disasters on the devil by simply stating the devil comes to steal, kill and destroy and therefore any form of disaster must be the devil's work. But I think it's far more complicated than that, friend. In fact, I'm going to share with you some scriptures shortly that reveal beyond a shadow of doubt that God has utilized hurricanes or whirlwinds as they're called and even earthquakes as well and will be used in these latter days for his selective judgments. In these last days, we church leaders need to be very, very careful of what and how we say things concerning such serious disasters which impact this generation and the ones to come. We should not spout out a knee-jerk response claiming it must be God's judgment without searching out the matter very carefully. Remember, friend, life is fragile and full of trouble. The Old Testament reminds us of this in the book of Job. In chapter 14, 1, it says, man that is born of a woman is of few days and full of trouble. Job 5, 7 says, yet man is born into trouble as the sparks fly upward. And don't forget Jesus's warnings in the Gospels themselves. Matthew five forty five says, for for he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. The he is God in this verse. Friend, lest we forget, we are living in a fallen and cursed earth. This earth is accident prone and subject to the curse placed upon it. We as Christians have been redeemed from the curse of the law, certainly, which is poverty, sickness and spiritual death. But we have not been redeemed from the curses in the earth, which are still in effect as long as we're living in it. Jesus gave no special explanation when the Tower of Siloam fell in Luke 13. He just reminded the disciples of the need for repentance. But when it comes to natural disasters today, they typically fall under the category of tornadoes, hurricanes, tsunamis, tropical storms, cyclones, floods, fires and earthquakes. Now for those who've studied these weather patterns, there's evidence that some of these disasters are subject to cyclical patterns. There seems to be a pattern revealed by the meteorologists in cycles of 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, or even 100 years. So we shouldn't discount this phenomenon of weather cycling revealed by the experts. It's doubtful, however, that every storm in these cycles is from God or the devil, but could merely be exhibiting a cycle in nature and more evidence of the cursed earth in which we live. If the earth is cursed, then the weather patterns are too, because they're a part of the cursed earth. And that goes for earthquakes too, which are also on the increase prior to Christ's return. Never forget that. However, in these last days, Jesus described that in the time running up to and within the tribulation period itself, there would be an increase in both intensity and frequency of these natural disasters, better known as the birth pangs or pains. And he talked of this in the Olivet Discourse. In Luke 21, verses 25 through 27, he says, And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars. We've seen that recently, right, friend? And upon the earth, distress of nations. Yep, it's happening. With perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. And that word roar is echo. Men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming upon the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. So one of the signs of Jesus' coming was trouble for the seas and the coastal areas. Water seems to be heavily involved in many crises in these last days. Noah's warning was that water would destroy the world, and Scripture also attests to the last days being as it was in the days of Noah. But what were his days like? Well, in Noah's day, the windows of heaven were opened and the fountains of the deep burst forth. In Noah's flood, the fountains of the deep were burst wide open, and simultaneously these heavens were being opened. Underground aquifers came from these chambers deep within the earth's crust and were split wide open during Noah's flood. And then we have the platelets of the earth shifting to and fro in much the same way as tsunamis today. They cause a shaking, and the fountains of the deep come forth. Are not hurricanes today, the windows of heaven opening from above, just as it was in the days of Noah? So it is today, in the context of tsunamis and hurricanes. And then the Apostle Paul spoke of the groanings that the earth experiences in his epistle to the Romans, chapter 8, verse 22. For we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together until now. But friend, I want to stress in this broadcast that God is a loving God, and he warns his people before destruction comes. That's why we need to cultivate a relationship with the Lord in the good times so that we can easily hear his voice when bad things are coming upon us. Don't forget that Jesus warned Jerusalem of its impending destruction about 40 years before it happened, right? He said in Matthew 23, verse 37, not one stone of the temple would be left unturned, right? Then he said Jerusalem would be destroyed. And then he even gave the timing of when to leave the city. He said when the soldiers are surrounding it, it's time to flee to the mountains. So Jesus did give warnings. And Jesus' friend is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He still gives warnings right now. That's why we need to pay attention. So for those of you out there who doubt that God can use storms for his selective judgment, Psalm 11:6 6 says, Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire and brimstone, and a horrible tempest, which is another old word for storm. This shall be the portion of their cup. And then Jeremiah 25 verses 32 through 33 says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Behold, evil shall go forth from a nation to nation, and a great whirlwind shall be raised up from the coasts of the earth, and the slain of the Lord shall be at that day from one end of the earth, even unto the other end of the earth. They shall not be lamented, neither gathered nor buried. They shall be dung upon the ground. Very serious scripture. Jeremiah 30, verses 23 through 24, says, Behold, the whirlwind of the Lord goes forth with fury, a continuing whirlwind. It shall fall with pain upon the head of the wicked. The fierce anger of the Lord shall not return until he has done it, and until he has performed the intents of his heart. In the latter days you shall consider it. Wow. According to this scripture, in these latter days, which are surely now, we must surely consider these whirlwinds, and they can be sent from God for judgment. And I'm saying it can be, friend. I'm not saying that every single hurricane is from God, okay? Then we have the example of Revelation 18, where it says in the tribulation period, God warns his people to come out of the harlot city of Babylon, right? Verse 4, Come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of their sins, and for her sins have reached unto heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Based on scripture then, God keeps close tabs of the sins and iniquities of certain cities, including Sodom and Gomorrah that he rained fire down upon after he checked out their sins by paying a personal visit in Genesis 18. Then we have the classic example of Jesus rebuking the storm in Mark 4:39. And so, apparently, some storms can be authored by Satan. Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't be rebuking the wind in this instance. But if God sent the storm, then Jesus would be rebuking his Father, which is simply illogical. So people say, "There, pastor, that's proof that all storms are from the devil. No, friend, we never base a doctrine off of one scripture alone. It takes two to three witnesses to establish every word. It does, however, undoubtedly indicate that Satan can be the source of some storms in some instances. Now, when we scour the Gospels, and the words of Jesus in particular, it becomes evident that judgment comes for two reasons mainly. Number one, the shedding of innocent blood, and number two, because people don't repent. In case you hadn't noticed, the abortion count within the United States just topped 59.7 59.7 million since Roe versus Wade in 1973. America is not unique in this regard, friend. Abortion is an epidemic within all nations, but there is a curse that comes upon the land for this shedding of innocent blood. Christ alluded to this in Matthew 23 verses 35 through 38 when he said that upon you may come all the righteous bloodshed upon the earth from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, whom you slew between the temple and the altar. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kills the prophets and stones them, which are sent to you, how often I would have gathered my children together, even as a hen gathers her chickens under her wings, and you would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. Then in Matthew eleven twenty 20 through 24, Jesus rebuked the people of certain cities because they would not repent. He began to upbraid the cities of Chorazin, Bethesda, and Capernaum, wherein most of his mighty works were done because they repented not. Friend, these cities ignored Jesus' miracles, and Jesus was very angry because of it. These people did not repent like they should have, and this resulted in the destruction of their cities. And indeed, if you tour the Holy Land today, you'll find these cities no longer exist. Friend, there is a cup of iniquity mentioned in Scripture. When it's full of sin, evidently God's judgment will ensue. Genesis 15, 16 says, After four generations, your descendants will return here to this land, for the sins of the Amorites is not yet full, or did not yet warrant their destruction. Now, if we study the books of Jeremiah and Isaiah in particular, you'll notice the source of judgment was one of four possible means. Number one, the sword or war. Number two, fire or maybe floods as well. Number three, famine. And finally, pestilence, which are plagues and disease. But, friend, like I said before, there is a scriptural precedent for God warning his people of these judgments before they occur. In 2 Peter 2 9, it says, The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. You know, Lot was righteous right? He pretty much lost everything. He got out of Sodom and Gomorrah. He went to Zoar to start a new life. He was able to rebuild. But God's judgment still came to Sodom and Gomorrah. But friend, God can and will separate his people from judgment at the right time. Remember in Exodus chapter 8, we learn that God protected his people in Egypt. He was pouring out his judgments, right? Goshen was spared the flies. Darkness occurred in Egypt, but light shone in Goshen. Then the Egyptian cattle were destroyed, but there was no hail in Goshen, etc., etc. God can preserve us in times of great distress. Like I said before, but we must listen to his spirit. In some instances, he is the author of the judgment. And if he is, in that instance, he will warn his people beforehand, giving them a chance to relocate. And this is scriptural. But friend, when people suffer on a mass scale because of these catastrophes, it provides us Christians with a tremendous opportunity to intervene and show God's love. This is how we can win people over to Christ. We need to have the church doors wide open and not worry if the carpets get wet or dirty. God is a loving God, but everyone who rejects him is subject to judgment already, and people can't continue to reject God and not expect consequences. If anyone rejects God's covenant, then we are subject to judgment already, period. Friend, this is such an important topic. I overran a little bit today, but I wanted to do it justice.
0: You've been listening to Carl Joseph and the Lions Unchained podcast. Carl is a minister who's witnessed God's supernatural power to save, heal, and deliver. Carl is a unique researcher who investigates current affairs, societal trends, technology, cults, and end time events, all through a biblical lens. Every Monday, new podcasts are uploaded, so stay tuned for the next opportunity to roar into victory check out carljosephministries.com for exciting articles, teachings, and discussion points. See you next week. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button.